0: Amen. Take our seats. So let's go straight to Acts chapter 9. What an exciting backdrop uh, for me to continue our Acts series. And uh, I'm buzzing with this amazing chapter. Uh, my Bible is presently upside down, and uh, <laughs> even, I, even I might notice that. Right. Okay. So we get Acts up. So basically, we had a fabulous series, The Minor Prophets. I learned so much. Thank you, all you who. Uh, taught us so well on the minor prophets. It was such an excellent series. I wasn't sure what you get out of the book of Obadiah, but uh, I don't think anyone spoke on Obadiah, but man, I learned a few things. So here we are back in Acts because it's, 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 it's in us, this sense of mobility, this sense of um, the Holy Spirit on us as a church, They're coming back together after COVID, the sense that the best is yet to come for every church, every church in Eastbourne, um, should be thinking, come on, you know, there's so much more. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Beautiful songs that we've been singing. There's so much more to see of the radiance and glory of Jesus, as Saul is about to find out. Okay, so Lord, help me. Welcome on live stream. It's great to have you join us as well. So here we go, Acts chapter 9. Yeah, I'm reading from the ESV. i find my glasses. Here we go. Right, so, but Saul I could preach on that for three weeks, that little line. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Such was the encounter. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus, Named Saul. For behold, he's praying, and he has seen an inner vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, uh, <laughs> I've heard from many about this particular man, uh, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Wow! Turning point in the history of Christianity. Do you know a well known poet? called John Betjeman some of you older folks might know him perhaps if you did GCSE English poetry you might have been given a poet a poet that was perhaps a little bit easier to understand this is what this is one of John Betjeman's poets poems Anyone born in Slough, I ask your forgiveness before I read it, okay? Come, friendly bombs, and fall on Slough. It isn't fit for humans now. There isn't grass to graze a cow. And so it goes on. But John Betjeman is more famous for another uh, poem about St. Paul. Listen. St. Paul is often criticised by modern people who are annoyed at his conversion, saying Freud explains it all. But they omit the really vital part of it, which isn't how it was achieved, but what it was that Paul believed. And in that little last line, there is a very profound extrapolation from what we just read, that Paul's whole total understanding of who the God of Israel is and what the whole big story was of, from Exodus through to the deliverance of Israel. The whole thing has been blown out of the water by his experience on the Damascus Road. Conversion. It's miraculous. Now, I'm speaking to people, I think, who understand what that word means, but it means also being born again. It's another way of saying, I've had the eyes of my heart opened to the truth that was hiding in plain sight in front of me. conversion has got massive implications and I want to talk quite a lot this morning about conversion because it's something that you should be living with every day of your life. It's not just the kicking, the kickoff, the start of the way things began in your Christian life. The implications of you being born again are massive for every day because you're a brand new creature and the world wants to suck you back into its own ways and you're going to resist this with all your might by the power of the Holy Spirit. Conversion is not not talked about enough I wonder if there are people here who are thinking actually do you know what I'd like to have the eyes of my heart opened it happened last week there was a young guy who put his hand up and says I want to know Jesus more and I'm on the front foot with that this morning again because I'm talking about St Paul's being born again but I'm going to qualify that it wasn't actually a conversion as such he was in the true religion So it was more an opening of his eyes to see who Jesus really is and to completely change his understanding of the history of Israel and where God was taking them. I think, let me say this carefully, I think that a conversion is even greater than an astonishing healing. I have seen healings before my eyes. I have seen, I have heard spines cracking as an old lady stands up who was bent over. I heard the sound of the vertebra cracking as she came under the power of the Holy Spirit. You think, man, that's pretty amazing to hear. The sound of it was more amazing than her standing up. For me, they oh Lord, they're all too rare. Come on, Lord, pour out your spirit upon us. But uh, what's not talked about enough is how when one... Sinner repents that the angels get out the trumpets and the, and the party, you know, those things that you blow and tickle you under the chin, and you know, the, the rejoicing in heaven over the one person that turns to God than the 99 who are doing okay. Thanks. I think it's more miraculous to change a person's complete orientation of their life to go in a totally opposite direction. It's radical, it's scary, but it's the most exciting thing that could possibly happen to you because it's what we all really want. We want to go in that God direction. We want help for it to happen. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, who comes to him at night and says, the wind's gonna blow where it wants to blow. Paul had no idea that this was gonna hit him. He was breathing murderous threats. And yet, this persecutor is going to turn into a preacher. This man is going to be in need of a new name. Little does he realise it, that he's walking, is it something like 150 miles to Damascus? He's breathing murderous threats. He has no idea what's about to happen to him. But his single aim while he was walking to Damascus was to eradicate this new Christian family. It was horrible. Let's, Let's... call him what he is. Um, I've written it down here. He was a self-righteous, obsessive, bigoted murderer. There could hardly have been a more promising candidate to become a believer in Jesus. He would seek extradition papers from the Sanhedrin. He would have authority from the high priest to kidnap, to capture anyone he found belonging to the way, to the, Christian, the new Christian faith, bring them back to Jerusalem, lock them up, maybe even kill them. He was a murderer. And with those papers, he goes on his way to Damascus with the full intention of smashing this growing church there in Syria. And all that time as he's journeying, he's thinking about terminating people's lives. And you heard a week or two ago when Martin was saying to you, how big do you think the grace of God is? Well, I've got another example for you. Just like the men of Nineveh. And I want to say this to you right at the start, don't you dare write anybody off. Don't you dare do that. No one is beyond the reach of God's love. Do you believe that? I hope that if you do believe that, you're still praying for the people you think are humanly beyond reach. No, they're not. Someone who's ended up in a very dark place, perhaps, that you know, someone who's you know really messed up it's of their own making you think well you know so you've made your bed so you've got to lie on it well you think about those people they are not beyond the reach of God's grace someone who's perhaps started on the way of truth but then ended up in some cranky crazy um, trendy new um, way of thinking about the way the world is And they've lost their common sense and they're, frankly speaking, nonsense. I'm being a bit blunt here. We all know people who think, man, do you believe that? It's easier to believe that Jesus came back from the dead than to believe what you believe. And little does Saul realise that he is the hunter and he is being hunted. He's being tracked. God is tracking him. I wonder if that's you this morning. We're, We're after you in love. We want you to believe what we believe. Because what we've found is we've busted people too. We've needed a saviour. We just want to introduce our friend Jesus to you. You're being tracked. If you don't know him, he's after you, but he does it very, very carefully. Do you know that poem, the famous poem, the Victorian poet called Francis Thompson? He wrote this poem called The Hound of Heaven. I'll just read you a couple of lines from it. He was a reluctant convert. And he was fighting this little intuitive voice that was saying, I'm here, I'm at your shoulder, I'm very close, why won't you turn around and look at me? And he was resisting God all the time. And I wonder, I've been in that place, I wonder if you've been in that place, I wonder if you're in that place right now. Francis Thompson wrote this, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of The years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him and under running laughter, mocking him, keeping him at arm's length. And then, of course, by the end of the poem, he's given his life to Christ. It's beautiful. Conversion is the sweetest thing. To see someone give their life to Jesus is just so exciting. We're gonna see that again and again in these months and years to come. We're going fishing again. We are going out with a message of peace because we're just like everybody else. We just found a saviour. We're not, we're not six feet above contradiction. We've we found someone who's forgiven us all our sins and has brought us back to the Father. So if God decides to save someone, can I say this to you? He's pretty persistent. Maybe you've been running from him. Maybe it's a desperate flight right at this point in time when you know in your heart that you long to believe. And there's an interesting thing that Jesus says to Saul on the road. Did you notice it? In verse 14, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he says, it's useless for you to fight against my will. There's another translation of that. It says it's useless for you to kick against the goads. Now, you farmers and plowers of land know that a goad, when a yoke of oxen was working the plow, you would would prod it with a goad. And if the oxen were yoked, there's nothing much they could do about it. But every now and again, they'd do that and try and kick whoever was prodding them to make them plough a little bit faster. And that was a futile endeavour for an ox. It was yoked. There's a great big wooden bar across its neck. And uh, this is what Jesus says to him. Saul, you're working against the Spirit of God and it's pointless. It's pointless. And that's what I need to hear every time I think I'm gonna go my way, and it's something that we need to hear. It is pointless to try and move against what God is doing. Come on, let's get in step with Him. What can He not do with a surrendered and submissive people saying, Come on, Lord, bring it on. I'm submissive. I'm not gonna kick against what you're doing in my life. I'm not gonna kick against the things I maybe I think, no, this is wrong. I'm gonna go off into the wilderness and disagree with everybody. No, come on. We're yoked together. As believers, and so Saul would push those thoughts away. he would have known that you know, surely, in his deepest heart you know and this doesn 't kind of add up. Why are these Christians prepared to die for this? He must have been struggling, he had no idea what happened so let 's look at his conversion just for a moment okay verse three it 's a blinding flash now, my conversion. Was not like that. I'll just very briefly tell you in one minute that I was a, I was a, a little heathen, and in my school there was a remarkable um, kind of revival in the sixth form, and I got dragged to none other than uh, John will enjoy this Chatham Central Hall, and uh, I was I hated being there. I was so embarrassed by my friends who become Christian. I go, oh no, don't talk to me about Jesus, please. Such a cringe. You remember how cringy it felt because you were outside of the understanding of what they found. And then they, one of the, the speaker on the stage, there must have been a, about 1,000 a people there. Suddenly, there's that weird thing. As he's speaking, I lose sight of 90, 999 other people. I think he's just talking to me. And I tell you now, I hadn't been on my father's whiskey. I felt mildly drunk, all right? I just thought, like, what's happening to me? What's going on? I felt a little bit woozy. I felt uh, deeply affected. Later, they explained to me, The Holy Spirit was coming upon me. And all I heard, I couldn't remember what on earth he said. All I heard was, Clive, come to me. You belong to me. Come to my side. Isn't that beautiful? I'd never heard the gospel before. Call me Mr. Simple. But the first time I heard the gospel, I gave in. Because it was his... This like a tractor beam so my conversion was quite dramatic it was from darkness to light but your conversion might have been a little gentler than that maybe you grew up and I wish I had grown up in a Christian family that's a slow realisation but there will come a time when the you get it that blinding flash that Saul had made him immediately blind he had to be uh, he had to have his strength taken away from him he had to be led by the hand. Somehow God's always up to that. When your conversion, he's gonna say, your way of doing things ain't gonna work. You need my strength in you. And so it's deeply personal, just as my conversion was deeply personal. I love it when he said, Saul, Saul, I'm gonna pick someone out. Come on, if we could see through the light. Gail, Gail, come to me. When you, when you hear your name being repeated twice, it's just beautiful, isn't it? Oh, I'm just picking, picking, out, picking out someone else. I can't tell with the lights. You can't see anybody. <laughs> it's beautiful. Jackie, Jackie. When, when Jesus calls your name twice, you just hear your own name being called twice by Jesus right now. It's amazing. It's so personal. It's beautiful. He knows me. He knows me. He knows you before you started trusting him. He knows you. I can't, I can't imagine what went through Paul's mind, Saul's mind. He saw, he can be interchanged. By the way, there was, there was, he, he was Saul and Paul, okay? He's more known as Paul the Apostle, but he is also Saul. So we're calling him Paul from now on, shall we? Otherwise it gets confusing. Who are you, Lord, says Paul, that must have gone through him like a bolt of lightning. That flash of lightning knocks him to the ground. And you imagine how that sentence, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting," Imagine how that must have exploded within Paul. It would have shattered his whole world. It would have reformed Paul's entire mindset. All that anger, all that hatred of all those heretical followers of the Nazarene carpenter, it all collapses just like that. Jesus is alive, The whole understanding of what Saul was about before he becomes Paul the Apostle, everything has disintegrated into a thousand pieces. These Christians, they've been right all along. Oh my goodness, but the worst thing is, hang on a minute, if if Jesus is the true central figure of Jewish history, right from the Exodus right through to now, if God himself has come to earth in human form and become that saving bridge over which we all must walk, through his sacrificial death on the cross. You can imagine Paul's on the ground thinking all this through. He's thinking, what have I done? What have I done? Everything is utterly wrong. I was persecuting Jesus, who's alive. Man, I'm in serious trouble. And that's an understatement. And so Saul, the great hunter, is, I love this phrase, was led by the hand into Damascus, One thing God loves to do with you is to take your strength away from you, the strength that you do things in your own might, and he reteaches you to put your hand in his hand. He's gonna lead you by the hand into your adventures, into Shrewsbury and beyond. And I think... Saul to Paul. He sees himself for the first time. And that was my experience. I wonder if that's your experience, that when the light of God comes to you, when the grace of God comes to you, when the love of God surrounds you and melts you, you suddenly kind of see who you are as well. You realise your own dignity before him. You realise that you're precious in his sight, that you realise that you've got your own individual identity amongst seven billion people on the planet. Your finger fingerprints are identical. Are just for you, you're a one off, and this must have been an extraordinary moment for Paul to realize his spiritual blindness turned into a physical blindness, as if God had to blind him physically to help him understand his spiritual blindness. Now, as I said to you before, I don't think this is a conversion for Saul, he was worshipping the God of Israel. It's not as if Christianity is competing with Judaism. Just think this through with me. It's actually that God has now acted decisively to send Israel's true Messiah, Jesus. So this isn't a new religion. The first century believers would, didn't call themselves little Christs, Christians. That, did, that came later. They just thought, man, it's the fulfilment of the ages. Jesus is the true king. And so in a way, it's not a conversion. I used to use this argument with my friends in Dubai when we were building a church amongst a very multinational and interfaith community. I'd say to my Muslim friends, who were arguing and talking it through with me, to my Buddhist friends, to my Hindu friends, I I would say to them, you know, actually, it's an easier journey from atheism into Christianity than it is to come from, say, folk Buddhism or Sufism, is, uh, which is the mystical side of Islam. It's, that's a longer journey. That's a more sacrificial journey to come into, into Christ from another religion because you've got you've to say, Lord, I lay down all my, all my gods. I come to the true and living God. And from atheism, for, my, for me, it was like a light switched on. Where are you? I'm going to ask you that. I'm going to finish in a moment. And we're going to have a time of ministry. I'll just say this about Ananias. This is to encourage you and me in our ministry because we are going fishing. The good ship Kings is going into deeper waters as the months go by. Ananias is such a great guy, isn't he? Pops up in Acts nine, then disappears. You can kind of imagine the conversation, can't you? He's listening to the Lord. Go to Straight Street. By the way, that still exists in Dimash, in Damascus. It's still there, Straight Street. He says, Yeah, that's fine, Lord. That's all good. Cool, I'm up for that, whatever you say, Lord. And uh, there's a guy from Tarsus, is there? Yep, okay, Tarsus, sure. No problemo, I'll go for you, Lord. Um, Saul, <laughs> uh, Lord, you've got to be kidding. This guy who's murdering believers as we're talking? And then Jesus' beautiful reply to Ananias, go, go in mission and service, go. Go. Get out of your seat and go, Ananias. He's my chosen instrument. He'll take my message to the Gentiles and to kings and I'll show him how much he must suffer. Isn't that amazing? And then obviously Ananias knows this is real. The man's gonna suffer. This is authentic. This is faith. He's gonna co- it's gonna cost him his life. Some things to notice about conversion very quickly. One, it reminds us, that Jesus is always the initiator. Can I ask you, if you feel that you're in the doldrums at the moment, you are becalmed calmed in your faith, would you go back today and get, kneel down at your bedside like a good boy and girl, or wherever you go, go for a walk in the South Downs and say, would you please start initiating things in my life again? He's always the initiator, just as he did for Keith and Julia, he wants to do for you. It'll be a different story for you. Ask him to initiate it and be prepared for the ride. Who has God singled out for the next dramatic encounter that changes the direction of their life totally? It might be you today. He plans your encounters, did you know that? He planned the Damascus Road experience for Saul. Nobody is safe no matter how violently you are opposed to Jesus and the church, no matter how secure you may imagine yourself to be, you are not as safe from an encounter with the living God. It's wonderful, isn't it? He's scary, but he treats you with great and tender care. That's our God. its the, I mean, the Aslan stuff, you know, he's like a lion tossing you between his two velvet paws. Second thing you get, To remember out of conversion that as he initiated with you, you get new friends. And some of you need to hear this again because some of you are looking back. I remember when I became a Christian, I lost a lot of friends who couldn't go with me into this newfound faith, but I found a whole bunch of new brilliant friends. I, I stayed loyal to my old friends, didn't give up on them, but they couldn't kind of go with me on into my journey. It cost me. And you will gain new friends. And I want to say this to you, just as Ananias was Saul's first Christian friend, you need help in those first faltering baby steps that you've taken in the faith, but you also need, like Ananias, who introduced Paul to the disciples in Damascus, you need to keep on having friends who introduce you to new friends. You are not going to stay in this church unless you've got deep friendships. I know you've heard that before, but it's so true. Paul desperately needed help. He was blind. He needed to be led by the hand. Some of you today need to be led by the hand to safety. And some of you are giving up on friendship in this church. It's difficult in a big grouping to say, look, I've tried. I say to you, come on, you get new friends. Ananias is now going to protect Saul from his enemies. If you look at verse 23, when he first arrived there, the disciples in in Jerusalem, when he went back, they didn't want to have anything to do with him. Paul was shunned. Thank goodness Barnabas, who turns up later in the story, he's gonna be a friend to him as well. So you've got Ananias, you've got Barnabas, then you end up with Silvanus and Timothy and all these wonderful friends. You must have friends around you. And that's our prayer for Keith and Julia, that they will get quickly into friendship because you cannot walk this thing on your own. Don't even think you can. Two more points and I'm finished. You are connected through conversion deeply to the church. Did you notice that interesting thing that Jesus tells Paul to do he says go into the city in other words go and meet the believers in Damascus first thing go to the people go to the community first go to the believers who will help you Jesus is sending Paul to the church and authentic conversion is always out of isolation and into this community and so we've got to think that through for ourselves because sometimes, you know, you get the knocks and the scrapes and someone says a careless word and you get scratched and you get hurt. No, no, this is where we live. This is where we hang out with each other. Christ is always encountered in and with his body, the church. That was Paul's immediate experience after conversion. And so I say to you, you're making friends? Good. What's your connection to the church? Solid, faithful. I'll push through. I'll push through disappointments. I'll push through the difficulties. I'm with you guys. We're shoulder to shoulder. We are, the, we are God's mobilized people together. The last thing I want to say to you is this, and we'll have a time of as this, that true conversion means that you really will persevere to the end, that you don't need to worry whether you're going to lose your faith because God is with you. His Holy Spirit is sealed in your heart I remember I've got two books on my shelf at home. One is called Once Saved, Always Saved, Question Mark by David Pawson. And the other one is Once Saved, Always Saved, Exclamation Mark by R.T. Kendall. It's about can you lose your salvation? Now, without getting into that now, far too big a topic, I honestly believe that if you've been roundly saved, genuinely converted, planted in good soil, you will make it to the end to glory, just as we've been singing that beautiful song at the end of the hymn. Uh, Paul says this, and he had spared himself no blushes as what he'd done to persecute Christians. Paul had a guilty conscience that got washed clean. He doesn't spare his own reputation. He freely admitted his disgraceful behaviour when he talked to King Agrippa later on in Acts 26. He says, yeah, that was me, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And therefore he's able to write in Philippians, I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He's secure in grace. No amount of persecution, criticism, opposition, all the next 30 years of Paul's suffering life will be one where he ever shows the merest doubt Concerning this central fact, he appeared to me. Isn't that exciting! He appeared to me. Now, as I said, my my um, conversion was not as dramatic, but it was fairly dramatic. And I think that I wish I'd had a slow realization. Grown up in a Christian family, maybe that's maybe that's your ex- experience. But however you came to Christ, be thrilled. He appeared to you. I'm speaking specifically now to some people who are on the edge, just thinking, "I want you to appear to me. I want you to come and show me who you are." It's absolutely massive implications for Paul. It's the, it's the, the start of the Gentile world being totally affected. It's the using of the Roman roads into every corner of the Roman Empire. It's now the great missional journey of the church. Okay, we're going to pray now, okay? And we're going to minister to each other. Oh, I'm going to just show this and we're going to come back to it in a moment, right? Um, this is a, a ministry team badge. We've had a lot of these made. I just took one off my desk. Oh, uh, Today I'll be mainly Monica, okay? <laughs> we, <laughs> Monica, are you here? Just wave at me, she here. She there, there she is, Monica. Can I be you just for a moment, just, just role play? Okay, so we, we think it's important that we continue to minister to each other in these precious moments because this is life-changing stuff and we don't want to lose this. So we're going to have a time of ministry and we're going to make sure there's a ministry team but we also want all of you to be ministers. You're all priests and ministers to your God. So we've got to start somewhere. So we're going to come back to it and make the ministry team grow and grow and grow till one day we'll throw the badges away and we're back to the, the whole church mobilising ministry. So I'll, I'll talk to you more about that in a week or two's time. Okay. Let's minister to one another. Can we just stand? Can I have the band back, please? That would be great. Okay. Oh, Father. Whoa. Right, I'm praying for epiphanies. I'm now going into my thesaurus for as many different words for encounter as I could possibly think of. Revelation. Blinding light. Fresh understanding. Quiet awareness. Gentle submission, kneeling before him. Whatever way you want to do it, Lord, come to your people. And you saints of who have been doing this for 30, 40, 50 years, I'm praying for you too now to have the eyes of your heart opened to his beauty and his glory. I mean, Jesus forgives Saul all his sins. You're, I assume you're not as bad as Saul with your checkered past, you're forgiven. Ask him into your heart again. Right, is there anybody here, and no, I can't really see you, but if there's anyone here, just stay standing. Anyone here who wants a fresh encounter with Jesus? Would you just put your hand up, please? Anyone wants a fresh encounter? Yes, their hands going up, wonderful. Hands going up all around the room, wonderful. Right, we're going to be family now. And all those people who said, I just want I want my own version of a Damascus Road experience. I just need you again in my life or I want you for the first time in my life. If that's you, come and speak to us here at the front and say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. This is a moment for you to be able to do that. There'll be other moments, but if you feel your heart beating fast and you're, this is the moment, come and tell us. So, Let's start a beautiful song of worship. Let's have people who are thirsty for more of God to come forward because he wants to commission you to go to the Gentiles. He wants you to take the Via Appia to Rome or to Istanbul or to, you know what I'm saying, don't you? He wants you to take your own pathway with a message of peace to your friends and neighbours and beyond. So come, come forward. Let's, Let's get, I won't put Monica's badge on because you'll get confused if I pray for you wearing a Monica badge. Come forward if you want to for prayer. Come Holy Spirit, come and encourage your people just to receive fresh anointing in Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, we love you Lord. Oh Father, we just thank you for the way you were so kind to Paul, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. I say, can we ask now life group leaders, and uh, people who've been here a long time, who are members of the church to come forward now to spot their friends at the front. Come and start praying for them. There are lots of people at the front. Please don't leave them on their own for prayer as we worship. Come forward and pray. Just pray for simple prayers. More Lord, that's a great prayer. Come and fill them with your spirit afresh. Wash away the dust of the, of the road to Damascus. Wash it away. Fill me afresh with your spirit. Recommission me, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Okay, there are more people. Please more. come and pray. If you don't come, I'm going to start picking on you. <laughs> come on, you don't need a badge today. Come forward and pray. A few people here. Wonderful. Great. Great. As Tessa there, wants some prayer. Come forward if you don't. Know as is your mate. Okay, yeah, here. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Let's do a sing and pray blessing on these brave people. That come Everyone needs